Propaniacs. Secure your prosthetics and memorize your eye charts. It's another episode of the Propane Maniacs podcast. On this episode, we delve into the final shinsult. I'm Daisy Durndle. I'm Melton McManerberry. Okay, this episode starts in Peggy's classroom at Tom Landry Middle School, where she's subbing for Mrs. Dorlin, whom I really hope is Heck Dorlin's wife. That's my favorite random team the Hill name. Why isn't Miss Dorlin there? Because she has the Haunta virus, or Haunta virus, two words. Mm. And when asked what the Haunta virus is, Peggy explains that Mrs. Dorlin, or Heck's wife, or Heck's relative. Yeah sister who knows who knows was playing around with rat droppings or rodent <laughs> droppings anyway and it just moves on right? yes. <laughs> i love the lack of explanation there yeah the hantavirus is transmitted by rodents but i don't think that's how you get it mm. medical school dropout over here and so they act out in the classroom this texas history event with general santa anna's prosthetic leg being stolen or taken by the volunteer infantry of Illinois. Did this really happen? Is this something you studied as a student of Texas history when you were mm-hmm. a wee lass? Mm-hmm. Indeed. The Battle of Cerro Gordo, as they say, is where Santa Ana's leg was taken, and it is now in Illinois, as it has been ever since. There's a museum in and a monument for the Battle of San Jacinto that has been trying to get the leg back to Texas. So this is a real thing that happened. It's a real legacy in Texas history. And and, and, and there really are people who are interested in this leg and where, mm-hmm. where it goes. It's amazing what causes people get into. But what's not true is that it was never going back to Mexico. Mm-hmm. And it certainly did not make a stop at the Arlen Museum. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was pretty impressed by the costumes and props that this little one-scene middle school classroom play. They were pretty dressed up. They even made a little leg and everything. Going all out, it was just a little couple-minute thing. So, of course, the best actor at TLMS, Dealey, in the role of the uh, Illinois infantry person. And the bucket of chicken. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. Now, Peggy makes a little, you know, a little pun about this being the last leg of the journey and laughs at it. Oh, Peggy laughs at her own. No one else is laughing. Uh, Yeah, this is a little sign of Peggy's personality that we're starting to see come out. Peggy loves herself. Peggy loves her own jokes Mm -hmm. and is very impressed with herself. Definitely an example of it here. And not only does no one else laugh, they show the class and they're just staring at her. Blank stares. Yep. Crickets. The next scene is in the alley, and this turns out to be a Cotton episode. Cotton shows up, and there's a little bit of poor Bill here, because Cotton, when he arrives in the Cadillac car, almost runs Bill over, but Hank is much more concerned that Cotton almost dented the cooler. Well, once you dent a cooler, it's just never the same, I guess. What story are they telling here? (laughs) Bill didn't wear shoes in 1976. But he did in 1977. We have no context for that. <laughs> it would be interesting to know what they were talking about. Guess the entire year of 1976, Bill wore no shoes. Uh, in protest, probably. Maybe. So the reason Cotton is there is that he and Dee Dee have had a spat. His feet were cold, and she wanted, or he wanted her to knit him a blanket, but she didn't have time because she had to go to work. And the thought of Dee Dee working was just so hilarious to Cotton. But, I mean, where does he think the money is coming from? Right. Well, the whole thing just raises more questions than it answers. Sure, sure. I think I'm going to demand that Melton's wife grab her knitting sticks next time my feet are cold and see what happens. You might end up with two knitting sticks in your eye. <laughs> right. 
Okay, so the whole thing here is that Hank is concerned about Cotton's driving, because Dee usually does the driving, but Dee's not around, so Cotton drove himself. He was all over the, the alley. He almost, knocked, he almost killed Bill. And this reference to Cotton's inability to drive introduces the theme of this episode, and it's a heavier-than-normal theme, Daisy. This is pretty serious stuff. This is about dealing with aging parents, issues with aging parents and end-of-life kind of things. There's kind of not a whole lot funny about that. Well, I can't relate... My parents died young. Yeah, that stinks. Well, um, I guess it saves me the trouble of having a cotton. You know, that, and to, to that point, that's kind of just it. That, that's why this is such a serious thing and such a heavy issue is it's just it's a reality of life. We don't get more healthy as we get older. We get less healthy. Our ability to drive doesn't get better. It gets worse. And our parents and we are either live long lives but with diminished ability or don't live long lives. Neither of those is a particularly happy, funny thing. But that's what the episode is about. So here we go on a very special episode of King of the Hill. Next thing is in the kitchen where, once again, we see Cotton and Bobby's relationship. They have this kind of cool bond. Well, I feel like Cotton is kind of doubling down on the whole I'm fine to drive. Mm -hmm. They're going to get an RV, Cotton and Bobby, and they're going to see 50 states in 50 days. 50. 50 states in 50 days. Yes. How they're going to get the RV to Hawaii, I don't know. Yeah, they've not. But they're going to drive there. Thought this out. Yep, absolutely. There's some grounding here. I guess Cotton's favorite thing to do with the kitchen table there is to break plates. He did that with the shins of the father, and he's doing it here. So the great Colonel Cotton Hill is easily defeated when Peggy simply puts a plate on a high shelf that he can't reach due to his low stature. The last remaining unbroken plate. Yes. Okay, so Cotton now learns about the whole Santa Ana's leg thing, as you were describing, that at least in the show, where the United States is returning the leg to Mexico. And Cotton takes exception to that. And this is, this is kind of, I don't know, the complexity of this particular episode. He sees that as disrespectful kind of to him as a veteran. It's like, we, of course, he didn't fight for Santa Ana's leg, but he, he just kind of sees it all kind of wrapped up together in his World War II veteran status and Panama Canal and various things. He sees the U.S. getting soft and like giving up things that his generation fought for. And he sees that as a, a knock to his dignity. And it's bound up in the very local personal problem of his not being allowed to drive or the Hank's trying to prevent him from driving. He feels slighted by that too. He sees major dignity in that also. And he, he's sort of like, these two issues are kind of like all mixed up in his mind. And his whole generation is just not being respected by Hank's generation. And it's epitomized by this Santa Ana's leg. Well, because of that, they have to go to the DMV because Cotton is going to uh, try to get his license. So Hank switches the eye chart so that Cotton will fail the test. And I just guess I just want to point out and acknowledge here that Hank truly is in a tough spot. This is a lose-lose situation for Hank. He's, you know, Cotton's only child. He doesn't want his father to be a danger to himself and others by getting behind the wheel, which he should, clearly should not be doing. He also doesn't want to humiliate his father. And there's not a great answer here. He takes a step that does humiliate his father because the clerk knew what was going on. But here again, just a heavy episode. There's not an easy answer here for what Hank actually should be doing. It's, an, it's a tough call. His friends are no help. You know, they stand around in the front yard to talk about this. <laughs> what he really needs is his friends to kind of listen to him, support him, say, oh, yeah, Hank, I know where you're coming from on that. They're they not doing that at all. And in fact, 
all Dale wants to do is basically suck up to Cotton. Mm-hmm. Which he does by basically Cotton says, well, I'm not going to live here anymore because Dale sells him out basically on the switcheroo he did on the eye chart. So he goes over to live with Dale and Nancy. He drives up into their grass. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that they're not more upset about that. Yeah, Nancy just kind of goes along with it. I'm not sure how much time she spends at home, though, so... Oh, I meant about the grass. Oh, true. And I think it's kind of just it. Like, Hank can't bring himself to say anything to his father about it, and Dale just worships the ground that Cotton walks on, whether he tears that ground up with his Cadillac car or not. Well, as they sit around at the Gribble's kitchen table, now that Cotton is over there, while Dale is making him this ridiculous fake ID... Off the back of a cereal box. Yes. Yeah. Uh, what did you see here? Aside from the fact that Cotton is eating a piece of bacon in a very strange manner... What was that? I didn't notice that. How was he... It was like the piece of bacon was kind of bent at a right angle. And he was, like, nibbling on it, but it, it stayed bent. I, I don't know how I gotta, that happened. I gotta go back and watch that. It was weird. Cotton now drives himself to the drugstore to get his shin salve. And using the fake driver's license that Dale has made with the expiration date of, of the year 3000. So in trying to preserve Cotton's dignity here, Cotton himself, in doing that, ends up getting baby-talked by a police officer while handcuffed in a police car after trying to use an obviously fake driver's license and sexually harassing the police officer who assumes he has dementia. So clearly has not worked. He has not kind of fooled the system and he has not gotten his dignity back. As a matter of fact, he's humiliated worse than ever here. And this is his own fault. Did he get pulled over? I don't remember. He hit, no, he hit the parking meter. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, look, it totaled the Cadillac car, but I think it miraculously is fine later. Well, those things... Like, you have to basically drop them off a cliff, light them on fire, and shove them into the ocean (laughs) to total them. Mm, Fair. Well, back on Rainy Street, Cotton is demanding that Hank show him respect. That's that's got Cotton's goat here, and he, again, feels like he is not getting that sort of respect. So he then, he and Dale moon Hank through Dale's window. And that, again, Cotton is... It's the dignity humiliation thing. Cotton, basically because he feels like Hank has humiliated him, he turns around and tries to humiliate Hank just by moving him, basically. But he can't reach the window because he's little, so Dale lifts him up. Mm-hmm. Maybe some symbolism there, some enabling from Dale <laughs> lifting Cotton up. But is he Dale really lifting him up to any real dignity? I mean, not really. This is just kind of sad, pathetic kind of stuff. And then we're at the mall. Hank and Peggy are at Dee Dee's work to try and convince her to reconcile with Cotton. You think they drove all the way to Houston? If I had a Cotton on my hands and I wanted him to get back with his wife, I would drive to Houston. Yeah, agreed. I would drive. I would drive anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I guess Dee Dee like sells perfume or something. Apparently, that's her job. Yeah, her kind of gig that she got that Cotton took exception to. I can see that. I can see Dee Dee being the one that sprays the perfume at the right. counter in the middle of the ball floor. It kind of fits somehow. Right. They still have candy stripers. She was, I guess she was a candy striper. I feel like that's an old term. I don't know. I never hear anyone talk about candy stripers anymore. I don't know. I mean, was she... And, okay, this whole thing has, like, that whole World War II, like, motif that you see in a lot of movies and yeah. stuff with the cigarette girl. Yes. She was kind of doing the cigarette girl thing, but as a nurse. Yeah. Uh, offering candy, fruit roll-ups. I expected her to offer cigarettes, but she didn't. Yeah, it really is a weird relationship that Dee Dee and, and Cotton have. It's hard to know what to do with it. It does seem to kind of work in some weird way. Uh, I don't know. There's some issues, I guess. Yeah, we see when they first met, and she kind of says, Oh, look at you, poor little baby. Right. And uh, 
she knocks over some Q-tips or something, bends over, and Cotton catches her booty in the glass. And That's all he needed. Yep, that's all it takes to marry a Cotton. Well, I gotta say here, Daisy Peggy was looking pretty good in that isotoner dress. That dress suited her. I think she should have bought it. Okay, isotoner makes, like, slippers and gloves and things. <laughs> so was this dress, okay, was it leather and was it lined? And If so, wouldn't it be kind of hot for Texas? I Probably. think it would. Yeah, true. Even though it is a halter neck, it looked kind of bulky on her, too. It was very weird. Yeah, but she was as surprised as anyone that Isotoner makes dresses or apparently made dresses. And I thought that was kind of funny. A funny little aside. We go moving down to Dale's basement. Cotton and Dale are down there doing who knows what. And Hank shows up. He's going to try to get Cotton to be a chaperone. And anyway, just more humiliation here. Cotton just makes some cheap jokes and everything to Hank. And I got to give Hank credit here for taking the high road. He doesn't fire back at Cotton. He kind of just lets the mockery roll off of him. And he's just trying his best to kind of lift his dad up and navigate the situation well. So at the Arlen Museum, time out, Arlen has a museum. On the one hand, I can see that because there are a lot of little museums and a lot of little towns around Texas. It seems like Texas really loves itself and it loves its history. So I can see that. But also, if they were easily able to drive to a mall in Houston, then the field trip might have been to like a museum in Houston or that uh, San Jacinto Museum, which is outside of Houston. So that might put Arlen close to Houston right. in this episode. Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of Cotton's dignity, the kids eat him up. They love his war stories. He's telling one of his war tall tales about killing a Nazi with a two-foot strip of dental floss. And the kids just eat it up. They love it. So Cotton is kind of getting in his element all of a sudden, but this quickly reverses when Cotton learns more about this leg return. He actually learns that not only is the United States returning the leg, but they're also going to give money to Mexico for the leg, along with an apology letter. And that puts him over the line. He's like, no way. All his fears about America going soft or whatever are reinforced there. And Hank absolutely talks to him like a child there and says, I'm not going to tell you again. Zip it. And that is finally what causes Cotton to snap when his son basically talks to him like a child. He likes it when Dee Dee does it, though. This is true. This is true. That's different. She's got a nice big butt. And she's not his son. And she's talking to him like he's a little baby. Not a child. Yeah, how interesting. He wants that from Dee Dee in some weird way and resents it from Hank. Well, he snaps and steals the leg, and Dale, always helpful Dale, is doing nothing but enabling Cotton in this kind of ridiculous scheme that Cotton has hatched. But they do it, and Cotton has uh, stolen Sandy Annie's leg. So that's when we head over to, to the Gribbles' living room, where... Gribbles's? Gribbles's. We head over to the Gribbles' living room. Where Cotton and Dale are hanging around, Dale's in his recliner smoking, and Hank shows up looking for the leg. And Cotton says that he's got the leg because he wants to use it essentially as leverage to get the Mexican government to give him a driver's license. Hank says, what does the leg have to do with the driver's license? Everything. So Hank doesn't get it. The leg has everything to do with his driver's license. It's all bound up together for Cotton. By golly, he's going to save some dignity here if it means stealing the leg and preventing the U.S. government from just giving it back like a bunch of pansies and being told by his son to shut up and not being able to drive. He's going to fight against all that. And he's going to take the leg and take this matter to his own hands. And he is going to have that personal dignity, human dignity that he's looking for. The police show up, and what does Dale do when police show up? He crumples. Yes. Dale the bailer caved and immediately turned on Cotton and turned him in. Very much like the previous episode, Hank's dirty laundry, and like 
three days of condo at the border crossing. Not one of Dale's better personality traits. No. The next scene is at the VA hospital in the psych ward, and Cotton's humiliation is complete, especially as Hank makes some patronizing remarks about board games that Cotton's going to get to play while he's in the psych ward, which appears like it's going to be his permanent home because Hank and Peggy practically can't take him, can't yeah. take him in. Davey's nowhere to be found. So here again, it's like, is that supposed to be funny? Like, it's, it's very heavy. That's very serious stuff and a little out of character for King of the Hill to go that dark. That continues in the next scene as Hank and Peggy are just riding in the truck. And they're just dealing with these very heavy aging parents issues here. I do appreciate how realistic it is, but King of the Hill's usual light touch is not there. It's a pretty heavy-handed uh, way to deal with this. Yeah, they're trying to make it funny with the whole leg thing, but it just doesn't It doesn't work. Yeah, I agree. Well, back at the psych ward, it kind of resolves quickly because Hank, I guess, figures out an answer here. Basically gets Dee Dee to come and bend over and get her butt magnified. They kind of recreate what you know, the original spark they had and they have their weird little baby thing happening and I don't know. Some codependent thing happening there. The what I like in this scene was the music. There was a nice touch of someone put Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree on, uh, like a World War Two era big band song. That was kinda neat. It was a it was a nice little touch. Although the close caption uh for me when I saw that it said it didn't say Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree, it said the Halls of Montezuma is playing. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know why the Halls of Montezuma would be playing. That's the Marine song anyway, and Cotton was in the Army, so I don't know. That was a captioning error, I'm sure. It must have been, yeah. It was, it was Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree, which is a fun little song. I thought it was funny. Dee Dee kind of recognized the song, so I wonder if that's their song. Is that their song? Yeah. Or maybe be. Cotton plays it a lot and she hears it a lot. Mm. Well, let's wrap this thing up. The Arlen Museum parking lot. The ceremony is taking place where Sandy Annie's walking log is going to be taken symbolically over to Mexico across the stage. There's some ground in here. The event is very lightly attended. There are a lot of chairs and a lot of empty chairs, a lot more chairs than there are people. And I thought there was a nice little twist at the end here. It turned out the cotton outwitted everybody after all. That was not the leg. That was the leg. That was a fake. That was Joseph's leg. That was Joseph's leg. And he Cotton actually did use the leg to get a driver's license from the Mexican government. <laughs> Showed somebody else. Uh, that is the end. Daisy, what did you think? I don't know. It just wasn't very interesting. It wasn't very funny. All of the Texas history, it was too much for me. Mm. So I just wasn't a fan. I guess a three. I also give this one a three. This is not a favorite episode of mine at all. I, sorry for those Cotton fans out there. Cotton is my least favorite character on King of the Hill. Just kind of a bull in a china shop, and he kind of messes up the vibe of the show, in my opinion. And it, that happened here. I didn't think the show was very funny. Like the stuff with Cotton, I didn't really find funny at all. I mean, it was quite serious and it was heavy handed in its the way it dealt with serious things. It felt like it was getting into full house land and not the kind of biting satire that I'm, the subtle biting satire that I'm used to with King of the Hill. And it's a show with heart, but just a lighter touch than we saw what we saw in this episode. But it gets a few points just because I did like the way it dealt with the complexity of Cotton's dignity issue and how it kind of bound everything up between his driver's license and Santa and his leg. That was kind of a neat little thing, but certainly not a favorite episode of mine at all. I give it a three as well. So three is it? Yep. Well, Daisy, let's return this leg to Mexico and close the museum until next time when we'll find ourselves engulfed in Leanne's saga. Bye for now.